Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. for my notes. <laughs> I need them. <laughs> and my hiding spots. <laughs> then I feel better. Hello. Um, so I don't do this often. If for you who don't know me, I'm not a pastor. He is. I'm just married to him. Um, um, I do counseling at the church. That's what I do. And um, every so now and again, Philip would ask me if I want to share something. And then usually I go through these incredible, no, I cannot do it, panic attacks, and then eventually I do it. Um, so I'm post many panic attacks, <laughs> standing here tonight breathing and doing this. Um, so it's a privilege. And I just want to see, since we welcomed, are there any more moms that came in? just want to yeah, wave. Is it still only me? Oh, my word. In, we're in your, okay, but still only us. Okay, so... Then I wondered if I should change a few of the first things in the slide, but we'll get to that. Now I'm not going to change it. I'm going to stick to it. Okay, let me open in prayer. Father, I thank you that we can come to your word today, and I pray that you will guide my, guide my words, Lord. Holy Spirit, be present. Help us when we jump into your word to hear the things that you want us to hear, and to hear your Father heart, that we can walk away with something that really uplifts us and bring us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I titled this one, Lost in a Modern Babylon. Quick history. Um, we have a group in our neighborhood where everybody complains about the potholes and, you know, the lights and the grass that's not cut and all those things. And on that group, I felt to just say a little invite and say, if any ladies would like to start a Bible study, inter-church thing, please let me know. I'm going to start something. And nine random strangers <laughs> pitched up. <laughs> like, yes. Um, and it's been such a blessing. Um, it's just, it was, I thought, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what kind of people are going to come. Should I be scared or whatever? And it turned out to be such a blessing. And I want to encourage you to do something similar Take a bold step and invite some people. Get some material that you don't have to prepare, that you don't have to feel you're the pastor. So basically what we do is we watch Beth Moore's Daniel, and that's where my inspiration for this message came from, because she takes a very long time and very in-depth study of the book of Daniel. Um, and yeah, a lot of the stuff of the, from what I'm going to share tonight comes from that inspiration that I want to share from that Bible study. Okay, but let's kick it off. I googled motherhood. Let's see what I found. Okay, a mother's love is the fuel that enables a normal human being to the impossible. I just want to say that's a lot of pressure. Nee, yeah. Okay, being a mother... Um, something about strengths that you didn't know you had and fears you never knew existed. I want my children to have all the things that I couldn't afford and then move in with them. If you guys heard stuff like this? Okay. Motherhood um, is unselfish. It's the infinite, infinite optimism. I fail. I fail. <laughs> okay. Having children just puts our whole world into perspective. Um, and there's ain't no hood like motherhood. And then the next one. The next one, okay. 
I'm going to read it first. Children are the anchors that holds a mother to life. Oh, my word. That's a deep one. Why am I putting these things up here? Because we live in a culture that has an idea. This, these are some ideologies, that are the right word, about motherhood. People can get very ideological, that's still a word, né? about motherhood and how it should be and how beautiful and perfect it is. And then we go to the next slide. We must nip and tuck and get your tummy back and look like Jennifer Aniston and all these other beautiful women. And that's what society expects of motherhood, né? our society, that you should come out of labor with a beautiful hat and makeup and, you know, wave at the crowd and everything is beautiful. <laughs> Why am I starting here? Because I'm going to take you guys back to Babylon tonight. And Babylon, not just the city that Daniel lived in, but a concept. That's where I want us to go. Um, a modern-day Babylon. Next one, my favorite, that is a woman. Now, this is not just a mother. This is womanhood. And I actually want to say, when I see things like this or I hear superwoman jokes, I, a part of me cringes. Because why do we allow this? Why do we worship this? Why, why is this okay? that we are supposed to live like this, that this is what's expected. It's our culture. It's, it's, it's something that's portrayed as it's the right thing to do. This is how you should be. So, mother, you must, I'm, I'm, in my mind, that long list is the homework of the children. And then, of course, everything else and somewhere in there's a job as well. <laughs> um, and the pets. She doesn't have a pet there. Nee. Okay, taxels. There's no cats. She must look after the pets as well. Okay. Um, so I'm starting with this because the, the whole part of this was born from a message to the mothers, but it's not just for mothers, it's for all of us. Um, it's for who are we in our modern day Babylon. So let me give you a context of Babylon. Babylon, um, it's a land you can go read up in Genesis. They talk about what it was before, actually before Daniel and them got there. In essence, what happened is the king Nebuchadnezzar, he went and he captured all of the Israelites and brought them to Babylon. But he did this very sneaky, and I want to say this first, because that's how the enemy works. So the king was ill, and this king Nebuchadnezzar pretended to be interested in the, in the king of the Jews' illness. And in that process, the guys, um, what's the word, his walls, his masks, he, he, um, his guard, came down. So he showed all his treasures to Nebuchadnezzar and the guy then just, okay, I'm taking you. And he took all of the Jews and he took all of the, the um, holy artifacts from Jerusalem and that's how they were took to Babylon. I just want to say this as also as a back, as a back story here. Isaiah 47 talks about Babylon as, I am and there is none beside me an utterly self-absorbed culture. Now, we know God speaks of himself as I am. That is God. When he reveals himself to Moses in many places, I am is his name. Babylon comes and say, I am, and there's none beside me. Now, as I go through these things, I want you guys to listen to the parallels of our world. I am, and there's none beside me, my world. Okay, so the scene is set in Babylon, and um, Beth Moore describes it like this. It's not a place, it's a mentality. She is popular, she is desirable, she is intoxicating. 
she's religious, but she's so religious that you struggle to find what she actually believes in. To worship self is to worship her, and to worship her is to worship her king, which is self. She dresses for success, but underneath she's just a lifeless puppet, and the devil himself pulls the strings. So let's go into Babylon. Okay, just before we go there, I want to say something that I learned in this Bible study that I didn't really know. I, I heard Babylon, Babylon, yeah, yeah, all the songs and whatever people write about it. But what I didn't know is how incredibly affluent Babylon was. If we think about Babylon, we must actually think of like, I don't know if this is going to be historically correct, but like the Roman Empire <laughs> or maybe New York. <laughs> you must think of a successful place. That's what Babylon was. They had two walls surrounding this humongous place. There were three palaces in there. There were leisure centers. There were temples built for the gods. And one specific temple, and I'm going to say this tonight. I didn't say it this morning because my focus is going to go more there, where the girls would wait on pleasure of the gods at night. So that was the lifestyle that they had in Babylon. Everything was, was good, and everything was, was, was available. Um, this is Babylon. Now, let's read. Um, in the third year of the reign of that king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered the king of Judah into his hand along with some of the articles from the temple of God. He carried these to the temple of his God and put them in his God's treasures, which is blasphemy, but we'll get to that. Um, it's a mockery of, of our God to take something holy from the temple. And now later in, in, in Daniel, you hear how they use these holy artifacts in orgies and things, um, but we'll get to that. Um, the king ordered that guy the chief of the courts of the officials, to bring to him the Israelites from the royal family, nobility, young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. And he was to teach them in the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years, and then they will enter the king's service. Among them was Daniel and his friends. And Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official permission not to do that. So he didn't want to eat that food. There's a lot to unpack in Daniel, but I'm actually going to stop here at verse 8. <laughs> okay, please do read the whole chapter. But just in... Just in these few verses, we get the culture of Babylon. Here it is. Let's dig in. They took the holy artifacts from Jerusalem and placed them in the temple of their gods. One of the things they do is they take holy stuff and they use it as unholy. If we look around in our culture, are there things that you can think of that maybe when you were growing up or maybe in your culture or, in, or whatever, there were things that you perceived as holy that are now just thrown away, that are now just cheap, free to get. One example, of course, is people's bodies, pornography. Um, 
there's a lot of things that God proclaims as holy because we are vessels of him. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. And in the modern times, these things that are holy are used as unholy. Lots of them. They took the best. Now, this is our culture. The attractive, smartest young men of nobility, not just any kind of bloodline, the best bloodline, to train them in the Babylonian culture, which is basically the cultural propaganda. Now, scholars think Daniel and his friends were about 15 years old. Now, these are young teenage boys <laughs> brought into this culture. They can have everything. They are exposed to all of these things. And these 15-year-old boys say, no, we are not going to defile ourselves. My question in my mind is, oh my word, who discipled those kids? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Is how can a 15-year-old boy, I, I taught um, teenagers for a long time, so I've had my share of 15-year-old boys in my class. How can a 15-year-old boy stand up to a king's person, the guy that works for the king, and say, I'm not going to eat the stuff you give me. I'm not going to defile myself. So he got something, and we'll get to that. But this is our culture as well, putting a high value on looks, on badges, on titles, on stuff. That's our culture. Just look at Instagram. That's our culture. The more things or the more stuff I portray, the more likes I get. Our culture is fed in this way of, of the best. What is terrible about this culture is it's a friendly captivity. It's not like they're being punished or suffering. It's easy if you, if you get captured and you know you're going to be tortured. But if you get captured and they feed you from the king's table, food that a Jew could not eat, which is why he said no, but it's probably good food. Imagine you get the leftovers, or the, not even the leftovers, but the food and the wine from the king's table. That's probably good food. Um, it's a friendly captivity. They offer these young guys everything they want, they could dream of. Um, they were given new names. This is an important one, because in the old, old um, in the Bible, and still in many cultures, I think, if you are given a name, it is something that is pronounced over you. So you are called that thing. Their names were meant, when they were Jewish, was names that brought glory to God. Now all these new names they were given brought glory to the pagan gods. So they are in this different place with a lot of options. And um, they are constantly being called by a different name. So people are trying to change their identity. Can you hear that? They are wanting them to fit in. You must become a Babylonian. That's what they're asking them. We can lose our identity in this I am culture. It's the same for us as it was for them. So I've got a summary on the next one. The traps that we see here is identity, name. And in our culture, we get different names um, from, I've seen... Uh, an example I used this morning is people call me the pastor's wife, and that's supposed to identify me. Like now I have special gifts or something, <laughs> or I'm closer to the throne or whatever. I don't know what people mean by that. It's, it's not who I am. 
We put badges on people. You're a, a doctor. You're a teacher. You're a whatever. You know, you're a mother. Badge. We get identified according to these things, and that's how people value us. That's not how God values us, and that's not how we should value ourselves on these name changes. Um, they have to, they're committed to a friendship, or the, the big trap is committing to a friendship with a friendship with the culture. Now, you guys know in, um, in the, I don't know if you've done Bible school, but we talk about the importance of, of communion and of how eating has a very big value in, in friendship if you eat with somebody. Now, Daniel and his friends did not just want to not eat the food they were given. They didn't want to entertain the friendship with this culture. Committing, if you eat with somebody, you agree with them. You become friends. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal. Okay? I'm not saying that we should now all be weird as Christians and not be friends of the world, because that's not going to help. We should very much be in this world, very much be in Babylon, but we should not be Babylonians. We should choose not to have friendship with sin, because that's what happens to us. That's why I titled the thing Lost in Babylon, because I think Babylon is growing around us. It is over poweringly growing around us. And as Christians, we are numb. We don't notice it. And we don't choose not to play along. Um, and that's where I want to get at. So that's why I want to highlight these traps. What is valued of self-absorbed? Let me just go there first. Our culture is definitely also very self-absorbed. I am my own God. I do what I want when I want it my way. You know, don't tell me what to do. Um, and just an example for me in that is our whole social media culture where there's so much surrounding about me and my image. Um, what is valued in their culture is young appearance, intellect, social status. That's our world again. The pursuit of a self-image. I think I've mentioned that already in our social media culture. Um, pleasures of the flesh. Drink whatever you want. Smoke whatever you want. It's, you know, that, no, don't mind. Um, and in the process, defiling holy things. I said this this morning, and I really want to say this again. Salvation, we get. You, you know, if you, get, if you choose Jesus and you get saved, you get it. That's, it's free. But the process of holiness is a choice. That is a purpose that does not happen by accident. The process of choosing um, to be different like Daniel and his friends, it doesn't happen by accident. They had to say no to certain things to be different. Um, so what did Daniel do? Firstly, and I believe this is a very important thing, is he knew who he was. His identity was solid as a child of God. If you know what that means, it changes the way you perceive yourself, the perceive the things you do with your body and with your world, because you understand that I am holy unto God. I've been separated unto God to do something for His works. I'm not just a person. I'm not just a piece of um, meat, whatever, walking around. Um, he knew this. So Daniel could say, no, 
because he got this. His focus was not on the I am of the culture, but rather God as the I am. Um, the, I'm not going to go into all details of all of these stories, but the background here is the king had a dream, and he said to all his wizards and magicians and everybody, you must reveal the dream to me, but you must tell me what the dream was. If you can't tell me what the dream was and what it means, you will be killed. <laughs> so lots of people died. <laughs> and then Daniel, he called Daniel and he said, okay, Daniel, you must tell me. And Daniel said, give me, give me time. He went home to his friends and he said, guys, we have to pray. And God gave him the dream and the interpretation. And then Daniel could go back to the king and he could give him these things. He ran to God. He knew his focus was not me, myself, and my cleverness. I need it from God. He's going to have to help me. So Daniel got that right. Another thing I think he got right is to value God above anything else. Um, Daniel is not in this story. The scholars say that they think Daniel was in the court where he was working, but his three friends were involved in the story. Where I've now touched on the fact that the spirit of this culture is worship self. Now, the king took it to a next level, and he built a humongous, beautiful statue of himself, and he said everybody must worship it. And if you don't worship it, you're going to die. <laughs> so these stories are amazing to me. They always end up, you're going to die. Um, and these three friends, sorry, these Three friends looked at the whole thing, and they chose not to worship the statue. And, of course, they were thrown in the fire, three of them, and then there was a fourth man with them in the fire. And the king was, what's going on? Get them back out. And they got out. And the beautiful thing of this story is they did not even smell of smoke. Everybody around the furnace died. That's how hot this furnace was. But they didn't even smell of smoke when they came out. And that the last mention that we hear of these three friends in Daniel is when the king says to them, if anybody speaks badly about your God, they will die. So these three friends lived, chose, oh, that's my, that's my alarm. <laughs> the kids are supposed to go to bed. In our house, everything works on alarms. I set an alarm for waking up, for getting dressed, for leaving for school. Because I can't shout at them all the time, where are you, where are you now? So the alarm must go off. And the same with, this alarm means get ready for bed. That's what this alarm means. But they're not getting ready for bed tonight. Okay, so let me get focused again. Um, so the beautiful thing for me about this story is that the last mention these three have in the Bible is that the king says, if anybody speaks badly about these guys as God, they will get, they will die. In other words, their testimony and their choices glorified God to such an extent that that's the last thing you read of them. That's beautiful. Um, in our context, we don't have the choice between death and worshipping Babylon. But we do have little choices where we often rather kneel to the culture than jump in that fire. And we need to be alert for that. 
when is the moment that I need to recognize I'm actually worshiping the culture now? Or should I just be jumping in the fire and trusting God? Because, not jumping, you'll be thrown in the fire in context here, but you, you guys are following me. Um, the choice of the fire versus what you're worshiping. And you know, what does this mean for us? Well, like I said, Babylon is not a place. I think you can use many examples for this Babylon concept. It could be a workplace. It could even be a family. It could be, it could be our city. It could be anything, really. The, the, there's a few things in it that we see even around us today. And my question is, as Christians, are we any different than the Babylonians, or do we look the same? Because often, if we look around us and we look at the church today, you don't see a difference. And I'm not talking about dress. I think for Daniel and his friends, they were Jews. So they had specific guidelines. What does it mean to be a Jew? We don't have those guidelines because we are not Jewish. We are Gentiles. But we do have to ask these questions. If I'm a Christian and I am meant to recognize that I am also anointed and holy, then how should I be different? I can't just say I'm a Christian, but I look the same as everybody else. Daniel and his friends had choices to make, worshiping the culture or choosing worship to God. Um, and one of the big building blocks here is for me is to say, know your identity. In Romans 8, um, 8, it says, if you're led by the Spirit, then you are children of God. And we are children of God. You are not a mother or a teacher or a doctor or a whatever badge anybody has put on you. That's not who you are. You're a child of God. That is your identity. In counseling, I often ask people, if you lie in your bed, you've lost all function, you cannot walk, talk, or do anything, you've lost any purpose to anybody, who are you? And most responses are, well, I don't know, because we define ourselves by what we do. I am, hello, I'm so-and-so's wife, I'm so-and-so's mother, blah, blah, blah. But you are a child of God, and nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can take that away from you. Nothing that you don't do or do can change that. And if that sinks in, then the next question is, okay, now I have to acknowledge that in Corinthians it says, um, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set a seal of ownership on us and he's put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit of what is to come. And if we understand this, it changes who we are and how we deal with, with what I have and also with what's around me. Because I recognize that I'm not just an accident, but God notices me. I remember once I told the story this morning, when my kids were still little, you will get there one day, I trust and the house was a mess, and everybody was crying, and I was sitting in my pajamas, crying over the dishes, just like, God, what happened to me? I used to play guitar. I used to write songs. I used to have pink hair and a nose stud. What happened to me? And I, and I heard God saying, I see you. You're still the same person. These are just roles that you have to fulfill, but I see you. 
Your identity is separate from wherever you find yourself, whatever your Babylon looks like. And from that place, we can navigate ourselves to try and figure out what does this look like. And to answer that question, there's the whole New Testament. So I'm not going to go into answering that question tonight. There's the whole New Testament. But I do want to read, I do want to read this, if I can find it. Where did I put it? Oh, my word. Romans 12. It's not on there. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Do not confirm to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Pause. We've all been indoctrinated, that's a word, by Babylon. Our culture has taught all of us things. What to value? Should I value my car? Should I value my house? Should I value a specific job? My kids should be in a certain school. You know, even looks. How often do I go to the hairdresser? How, what, what, all those things. Our culture has taught us what to look like. And we need to unlearn a lot of stuff. I'm not saying be weird, please. That's not what I'm saying. Please do just still fit in, but not fit into sin. And that's the question. That's the place where we have to be alert. Um, not to worship the culture. Then, you, Because if we renew our mind to understand these things, you will be able to taste and approve what the will of God is. His good and his pleasing perfect will. You can go read the whole of Romans 12. Make a note. Let that be your starting point for collecting the stuff in this next question. What does it look like if I want to be in Babylon but not a Babylonian? Um, start with Romans 12 and then there's the whole New Testament. Something that I'm, some notes that I also made somewhere that I don't know where are. Ah. Some practical things that I just wrote down when I, when I was thinking of sort of, okay, but what does this mean practically? It means recognize places in your life where you are entertaining sin and got numb to it. That's a place where we have to say, you know what, um, maybe drinking a bottle of wine is n every night is not a good idea. You know, yes, my friends do it and we get together after work. Maybe it's not a good idea. Maybe um, I need to think about my, my sexual life and realign that to God's. Maybe I need to look at my language. And I'm not saying these things to condemn. Remember, salvation is there. I'm talking about the, on the other side of salvation. The place, not the other side, but the place where we walk in holiness. And that is a difficult place because it's different to the world. But unless we notice it and say, I'm going to choose to walk in a way that's different to Babylon, we are not going to look any different. And I'd rather have people throw me in the fire and say, you know, if anybody speaks badly about her God, then you'll get in trouble. Then for me to do what they do. And to value what God values over what the culture values. Um, and I know some of you guys are still young, and it's, the world is different. 
But the world is not so different. These things have been happening since way back. Um, if you guys read through history, you go through Roman history, you go through history, you'll see that history just repeats itself over and over. The chaos we're seeing around us now is not new. And in every season of the world, Christians need to say, okay, but what does this mean for me? How do I live in this Babylon but not be a Babylonian? Um, and with that, I'm going to end in prayer. Father, I thank you that, that you can teach us through Daniel that there is a beautiful place that's actually a safe place with you, Lord, where we choose your way instead of the world's way. Father, I pray that that, that awareness of, of wanting to connect with your heart and wanting to connect with your, with your way would wake up in us, Lord. And that we'll also understand and see and feel how special and beautiful that place is. That we can be thrown in the fire and not get burnt because we choose you, Lord. Father, I pray over every heart here tonight just a new revelation about who you are as a loving God. Not a condemning God. Not putting these things down to make us feel terrible. But putting these things down to say you're special and I see you and I want you to know that you're special. I pray, Holy Spirit, that everybody here will, will hear that tonight, Lord, that we've been anointed and separated for your purpose. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.